Good morning. How we doing? Wow, there's a big crowd here, man. My name is Kent. I'm the worship pastor here, for those of you who don't know me, and uh, I want to share with you today. We're starting a new sermon series. By the way, if you're a guest and this is the first time to visit our church, I hope that we have made you feel welcome. We want you to just make yourself at home and join right in with us, okay? Just feel at home, and if uh, you have any questions, grab somebody by the arm and say, hey, I got a question. We're just glad that you're here with us. Today, we're going to start a new sermon series, and this series is called Friending, and I had to go to some young people and find out what that meant. Yeah, friending. It's something that they use. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a technological thing. But basically what it's talking about is friends, okay? So I want you to watch this commercial that we're going to put up here on the screen. Now, uh, this is one of the greatest examples of two friends trying to help a dude get a job. Check this out. Great friends. Mr. Goodman. What makes you think you're qualified for this job? That's a true friend right there. Somebody will stick his head in the fish tank for you, I'm telling you, man. Anyway, we're going to talk about this whole concept of friends. And uh, uh, how many, everybody got a worship uh, guide there? Does everybody have one of these? Because I want you to do something with me here. I, I did this this week as I was kind of trying to get this together. Um, we're going to talk about our friends, and we're going to look at it hopefully from a biblical perspective and how we can understand and grow better friends and that sort of thing. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Uh, we're going to read Proverbs 13:20, and here's what it says. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fool suffers harm. Pray with me real quick here. Father God, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. I pray, Lord, you just settle me down here as we go into this and, and give us clarity of mind. And I pray most of all, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will speak to us, each one of us here today, as we look at friends. And we thank you most of all for Jesus, our true friend. It's in his name we pray. Amen. I want you to take just a minute and look at that worship guide, and I want every one of you to write down who your closest friends are, excluding your spouses. I know, I feel the same way about my wife. She's one of my best friends. But I, I want us to look at different, a little different perspective here in addition to that. Write down who your best friend is, okay? <clears throat> and as you're doing that, I, uh, I want to tell you, I walked around the church this week in the office, and I interviewed different people. Now, is everybody doing this? I'm going to come back there if I see you sitting there. I'm going to get your pencil now. I want you to write this down. I want you to look at this with me. I went to some of people in our church that are uh, older folks, and I asked them what a friend was to them. 
I went to some folks that are kind of in the middle area there, and I asked them what friend was to them, and I went to some younger people and asked. So I got a demographic uh, variety of people that I asked, what does it mean to be a friend? And I want you to listen to some of the answers that I got from this. Here's what all this different group of various ages said. A friend is someone that I can trust. That's, that's, that's good, right? Someone who loves me unconditionally. Someone that I can call at 2 a.m. in the morning and talk or have them come and pick me up. Stay at their house at a moment's notice as I travel through town. Even though I haven't talked to them in a long time, right? Uh, Chris and, and uh, I know her. I know her. I, I was running here, Miranda. I was running here. They uh, were talking about how, you know, like you have old friends from 25 years. She said, we can call them in a moment's notice. In fact, we're going to do that. And we're going to stop, and they're going to let us, you know, we're going to stay with them. It's just the way it is. We're going to pick right back up where we left off, you know, 25 years ago. We've all got friends like that, I'm sure. Uh, another one was that uh, someone who will pray for me. You know, I used to have a friend that I worked with, and we were in corporate America, and I remember we're standing at the Hilton out in, uh, in uh, Anaheim, California, and I said, Brother, I need prayer. He grabbed me by the arm. He said, Oh, Jesus, help him out right now. I'm standing there in the lobby going, Whoa, that's a true friend, right? Somebody that, I mean, he was serious when he said, You asked me to, I'm going to pray for you, and I'm right now. Somebody that'll pray for you, and also somebody that'll pray with you. That's a great friend. Someone who gives me encouragement was another line that I got. Someone when I ask, or they would ask me how I'm doing, this is, I like this one. Somebody when they ask me how I'm doing, I can really tell them the truth. That's a true friend. Yeah. Ouch. And then this is a cool one. This is one I think for, for maybe, I don't know, kind of hits all of us, but I, a certain generation. Someone who will put their cell phone down when I'm talking to them. That's a true friend right there. Isn't it funny how the world's changed? <laughs> My granddad didn't even know what a cell phone was. I remember him talking about the first time he saw an airplane. It's amazing. And that's how some people identify who a friend is, somebody that will set a cell phone down on a table when you're talking to them. World changes. You see what I'm saying? The world changes. I've often wondered about these friendships that we have. Look at this list that you wrote down. I don't know how many names you wrote, but look at those, those names of those people, and I want you to tell me, how did you become their friend? Throw a, throw a few of these things out. Like, look at the name on there. How did you and that first name become a friend? Church, okay. Work. Where? School. That's a good one. My husband, Okay. Here's the thing that if you think about these people that are on your list, chances are you became a friend with them because you lived life with them, that you engaged in life. In the first service, that lady said, my kids and their kids. And the next thing you know, we were parents and we became great friends together. But the fact of the matter is most of us become friends with other people because we're doing life together. And uh, there's, a, there's a line that says, show me your friends and I'll show you my future. My mother used to say, birds of a feather flock together. And she liked for me to be with people with good feathers. <laughs> when I was young, about 14, I was blessed. God, I don't mean this like it might come across, but I was able to play, you know, music. And, and at 14 years old, I had a, a group of guys that came to my house, and they were all over 21, and they had this band, and they were like, uh, you know... Uh, they wanted me to play in this band. Well, I was working at a gas station back. Some of you people won't remember this, but it was back when you pumped gas. Would you have somebody pump it for you? I was the pumper. 
I started out pumping gas, making $1.35 an hour, and these guys came to my house that were older guys. They were like in their 21 and older, and they wanted to play in clubs, and they said to my mother, said, he's a great musician. I want him to come and join our group. And my mother said, ain't no way. I'm over there going, man, I could go play one night and make 75 bucks. You know how many gallons of gas I got to pump to do that? And my mother said, you're not doing that. Not as long as you live in my house. Because you're too young. And there's people that I need you to hang out with. And they guess where they hang out at? Church. Hmm. But the fact of the matter is, if you look at your friend list, so, uh, you'll see that you have a lot in common. And there's some of you kind of personality traits in them, and there's some of their traits in you. I was, I was reading this. Sociologists say that if you look at that list, and the one I made, I looked at it, and uh, it says that your incomes will be, you won't be at the top, you won't be at the bottom, you'll probably be somewhere in the middle. And I, t- I checked a couple people, and it kind of worked out like that. It may not work like that on your list. But the other thing is that your values are the same with that folks on that list. You'll see that you have, now you may not want to admit that, but your friends in- influence one another, right? Okay, as long as you're with me here, all right. So we're going to talk about friendship today. And to me, I think to have a friend, you have to be a friend. And I think that's really important. How do we do that? I believe that the Bible teaches us that we are to be friends with brothers and sisters in Christ. But the first thing that we have to do is we have to be present. We have to be present. You ever gone through a a crisis in your life? Maybe you're going through one now. And, and you realize that, you know, who do I turn to? And I've got that one friend, like I said, that I could call him. In fact, he, he lives in West Tennessee, and he's actually driven seven hours to get to me. I call him the brother that I never had. Uh, we went to college together, and we formed a bond of 30 years ago, and we still have that. And I'm sure that you have somebody like that as well. He was there. He's there for me. I can call him. But you know what? There are people in this church right here that I connect with like that as well. I've been over here eight years. Somebody said, how many years have you been over at Burlington? I said eight, but that's about 104 in church years. <laughs> I'm kidding. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else, and I promise you, I love this place, and I love you guys. And I've gotten to be close friends with several of you. There, there's a few of you that come through here on the week, through the week, and you'll just pop in my office, and you say things to me, and it's encouraging. You got a friend like that? Okay, so why is church important to us? You know, you talk to people in the world today, and they go, I don't need church. You know, I don't know, why, why would I want to go to church? Well, I'll tell you why you need to go to church. Number one, because the Bible teaches that. And if we're believers, we ought to do what the Bible says, oughtn't we? Hello? Check this verse out right here. Check this out. Hebrews. This is Hebrews 10, 24, 25, and it says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as the manner of some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You know what? Leave that up there, Pete, because I want to talk about this. Yesterday I was in Cracker Barrel, and I'm eating lunch. Me and Diane were eating lunch. lady came up to me, and she says I had a tie on, which I know that's a shocker for a lot of you. But I, uh, I played at a funeral, and we went to eat afterwards uh, on the way home. And I stopped, and this lady said, so something, and the next thing I know, we're talking. And she said, yeah. And she, I said, I'm a worship pastor. She said, yeah. She said, I used to go to church. And she said, but, you know, I found a church now that I go to. And when I get up on Sunday mornings, man, I am looking forward to church. 
And I said, well, what kind of church did you go to before that you didn't look forward to? She said it was Southern Baptist. <laughs> Diane was giggling over there. She was cracking. I said, well, I'm a worship pastor at a Southern Baptist church. <laughs> I said, but I look forward to going to my church. And let me tell you something. If you're here today and you don't look forward to going to your church, you need to find a church. Because when we come to this place, we're supposed to be encouraged. We're supposed to be encouraging one another, not taking each other down. Amen? When the body of Christ gets together, we're supposed to be jacked up. Let me tell you something. We serve an awesome God, and he's alive. Yes, he is. And you know what? I mean, I know I do things that are kind of, you know, off the grid sometimes. But let me tell you something. I watch people. Now, you guys know I'm not into sports, right? And if you are, I love you, and I'm glad for you. I'm happy. I'm into Harley Davidson, so you can pick on me about that, okay? But here's the thing. I see some guy kick a football like this, goes through hoops, and people go, whoa, go crazy, and then come to church and go. I wouldn't care if you kicked that ball in the river. But if that excites you, that's good. But let me tell you something. When you come to church, you need to get excited about what Jesus has done in your life. Because he has delivered us. He gives us courage. He gives us strength. And we need to come together and motivate one another. I love it when people come up to me after the church through the week. Oh, Brother Holland. I love this when it starts like this. Brother Holland. Uh, Kent, can I have a word with you? Really? Okay. Really? I'm just telling it like it is. I mean, you know, it's an honest program we got going here. And it's funny to me because sometimes people come and go, well, you know, there was something going on and I didn't, blah, blah, blah. I say, hey, did you notice somebody got saved last week? Did you notice that the baptismal waters still run here? Did you notice there's probably somebody sitting across from you that you don't even know? Woo! <laughs> They're new. Guess what? We got visitors. We're supposed to pray for one another, you guys. doesn't mean we can't voice our complaints, but look what this says. Think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good work, and let us not neglect meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I walked in this morning, and my day was pretty long yesterday. I didn't get back to hear the kids last night, but we've got a jacked-up kids ministry choir here, don't we? Those of you that were here last night, you guys did a great job. That's exciting. I, in, I walked in the door. First thing I heard was, man, they kids were off the hook last night. They were so good, and it was such encouraging. Coming people were everywhere. You know, motivated. And you know what happens with churches is sometimes we become so inwardly focusing on ourselves that we just die and dry up. Jesus didn't tell us to do that. We're supposed to be excited and carrying the gospel out into the world. And that's what we're going to do in this church. That's what this church has done. And it did it for 160 years or 180, wherever we're at at this point, it's going to keep doing that because this church loves their Lord and loves people. Somebody say amen. amen. It says, encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. About 20 or 30 years ago, me and Diane were, went to a church and I spoke and sang and we went home with this lady. She was 91 years old. Her name was Rose and her husband's name was Roscoe. Isn't that a cool name? Roscoe. Roscoe. And she was like 92. Roscoe had passed away, I don't know, maybe eight or ten years prior to that. And we went to her house. What started it all, she came up to me after the church and she said, you like strawberry pie? I mean, if they put me on an island and said you can pick two things, it'd be popcorn and strawberry pie. 
I said, absolutely, man. So we went home with her, and this lady, who was a saint of God, started telling me about Jesus, and she talked about the years with her husband and how she missed him, and she said, you know, but, but he's in heaven, and I'm going home to be with him one of these days, and she's encouraging me, and, and she says, put that passage of scripture back up there. Thank you. <laughs> they could ruin me up here, I guess, if I don't get too cocky. Anyway, I said to her, I said, so, you know, you loved Roscoe, you guys served together, had a great, great, you know, relationship. She said, yeah. She said, you know what, you went home to be with Jesus. But she said, I'm going home to see him too, and we're going to be together someday. And I said, well, you know, you've been serving the Lord for what, 80-something years? And she said, I, I, say, I accepted Christ when I was a little girl, 80 years, 90 years, whatever it was, she's 91. I said, so what do you say to people when they talk about the day of his return is near? And she pointed that finger at me, and I'll start till the day I die, I won't forget it. She said, that just tells me one thing, he's closer today than he was 80 years ago. Amen? We're to encourage one another because the day is drawing near. He said he would come back, and I believe that. I don't care what the world says. I'm going with that. And even so, Lord, come quickly. Now, I don't know I want to be on the next bus load, but if it happens, I, I'm ready. I'm ready. Amen? To be a friend, you've got to be present. You've got to be present. And Jesus was the greatest example of this. Jesus didn't just tell people stuff and then walk away from them. He exemplified it. He showed them how to do it. It wasn't like, you know, here's, here's what I think. Don't do as, you know, I do like the think that, you know, that line. I read this week that one of the fastest growing phobias in the, in the, in the world right now, guess what it is? Talking on the phone. How many of you, when the phone rings, don't answer it? Drive me crazy. You people drive me nuts. I got two daughters. One of them's 30-something. I never get that right. I always get corrected after it's over. But anyway, I got two daughters. One's in their 20s, the other's in their 30s. I can, I can call them. They won't answer. I can text them. Just like that. I'm like, call me, you know. Here's the point I'm saying. We're in a society and a culture where things are changing. And we have to connect to people's lives, okay? And church is a great way to do that. Uh, the second thing that we have to do, and I think that the Bible teaches us, First, we got to get present. The second thing we got to do is we got to get open. We got to get open. Now, you know, this one, it's a little, you know, it took a lot of courage for Lisa to get up here and tell what she told a while ago. And I commend her for that. And uh, I think that the Bible talks about us getting open with each other, one another. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, 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 if you got a problem, I would hope that you could come to me. And if I got a problem... I want to be able to come to you. That doesn't mean I want you going to everybody else. I, you know, I just don't get this in church sometimes. Hey, did you hear what happened? Now, come on. You know we do this. I want to remind you, and I'm trying to get this down myself. Whenever I feel like I need to do that, why don't you take it to Jesus first? And let's pray for one another. Let's get open. James 5 says, check this out. Therefore... Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You know what happens when I come to you and say, Jeff, I got a problem, dude. I have to humble myself. How many of you like to humble yourselves? That's what I thought. It's not easy to do, is it? It's not easy to admit that you got a problem or that you got something going on. And I come to him and I go, hey, well, if I go to somebody and he goes, well, you know, hey, man, I was good. then he goes, that ain't how it works. It says here that we pray for each other. Why? So we may be healed. 
Now, I'm just old-fashioned enough to believe that there's healing in the name of Jesus. I believe that. I've seen it happen. And I believe that he heals. And there's various ways that he does that. It's not just limited to what you, you know, might envision in your mind at first. But here's the other part of this. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That's why I want you praying for me. Over the last 12 months, I've seen amazing things happen out of prayer. People praying and getting on one page and pulling the same direction. The book of Acts, the reason that church took off and continued to grow and continues to grow is because they got on one page. We can't be pulling against each other. We got to pull together. That means we might have a little problem occasionally. You know what? We got to work through it. That's what we do as the body of Christ. Getting quiet on me now. It's the truth, isn't it? It's the truth. That's what made this church go like it has for so many years, is the fact that they love each other. They pray for each other. We want to see the lost saved. You know why? Because he first loved us. I mean, in the sense of we got this excitement about Jesus, and we want to share that. You know what? We can impress people with our strength. Put that up there, Pete. Are you there? I'm down, they get on me all the time because I can't be still. You notice that, right? I mean, and so what do we do with this point? Well, we go to the next slide. <laughs> you can't make this up, I'm telling you. <laughs> help me, Troy. Help me, brother. I'm, I'm drowning up here, man. I just looked up at the clock, and I didn't realize it was 11.27. We got, we got to move on, don't we, because we got to beat the Methodists to Wendy's. I know, so I'm going to cut this short. <laughs> Here's what I'm trying to say to you. You look at that list, and we're all blessed. Blessed to have friends, man. Blessed. Blessed to have people sitting next to you on a pew today. Don't ever take that for granted. But here's what I want to tell you, and this is the most important thing. I like to laugh and joke, but I want to get serious with you right now. Here's the most important thing you need to know, and I want you to know today out of this message. Nobody is a better friend than Jesus. We have a room full of people here shaking their heads. If you're here today and you're a skeptic, look around. We have people that have the same. We all are the same. Some of us like to think we're better than others, but we're all human beings. We all bleed. We all, you know, we're all in this thing together. Abraham was a friend of God, and he became a friend of God by faith. That's how it works. See, we live in a world today where we want to understand everything and then we want to believe, but that's not really how it works. God wants you to believe and then he'll lead you to understand. And you are never going to understand all of it. But I'll tell you what, it's the part that I do understand. It's really good, ain't it, Lee? It's really good. So today, when we draw down on the bottom of this, the whole thing it come down to, look at this, Romans 10. Pull up the next one, Romans 10. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved you say Kent you don't know what I've done I know you know what I don't I don't need to know here's what I want to tell you it doesn't matter his blood he died on a cross for you he died he gave his life for you doesn't matter there's not one sin that you've committed or going to commit that he hadn't already died for second thing you need to know is we've all sinned the Bible says that everyone's sin comes short of the glory of God but this process goes on Jesus said in John let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Are you thirsty today? Are you tired? Need a friend? 
Give it to the Lord today. He stands with open arms. He'll take every step but the first one. You've got to take that one. We're going to sing a song, and I love this song because it, it's, I think it's one of the best written, well-written songs of, of recent times. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Now listen, I'm not trying to guilt you into doing, to coming up here. You can accept Jesus right where you are. You don't have to walk this aisle, but it's a good thing to do to make a public profession. And this is a time in our worship services where we have communion on each side. Maybe you're here today and you're blessed. You've got some of your family with you that you haven't seen in a while, and you just want to come around the Lord's table and celebrate. We got it on both sides. Come on, do that, okay? Maybe you need to pray. Maybe you don't feel like you got a friend in the world. You know, I've actually had people tell me that. Had a guy tell me that about six months ago. He said, nobody loves me. Nobody loves me. I thought, you know what? That's the saddest thing I've ever heard in my life. I said, I want to tell you something. There is somebody that loves you. Jesus Christ, he loves you enough to die on a cross. So if you're here today and you feel broken and you don't feel like somebody loves you, I want you to know that for sure. But you got a church full of people right here that love you. All right? Come on, Chris, let's sing this song.